one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. May I just stop and ask if anybody can relate to his description of himself. Were any of you there at one time? Come on, be honest. Notice again, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. Now, I love this. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is what I call Paul's autobiography. It's his personal testimony. Verse number 12 could read, I am deeply grateful to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the theme of this passage of Scripture. Therefore, it becomes very, very important to all of us. I trust that you also can say, I am deeply grateful to Jesus Christ our Lord. Whenever Paul thought of all the Lord had done for him, he was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now on the sheet that I have prepared for you, that last sentence in the introduction is really the heart of what I hope you will take with you from this passage. Read it with me out loud. The last sentence of the opening paragraph right after you see in the bracket verse 12. Read that sentence out loud. He never lost the wonder of all Christ had done for him. Say it again. He never lost the wonder of all Christ had done for him. Why is that important, pastor? Because of an observation I make in the church and in the world today. This is the observation. Many have lost this wonder. Absolutely lost it. They have grown used to the idea of being saved. Even the word saved 
doesn't ring any bells. But it should. What's the opposite of saved? What would you rather be? Then why don't you get more excited about it? How wonderful to be able to say, I am saved. That means I'm not lost. Testimony meetings are interesting, and often people just freeze when asked to give a testimony. Let me give you a testimony that is as good as any that could ever be given. Here it is. I am saved. Sit down. Shut up. <laughs> Paul never lost the wonder of that. He never got over that. That he wasn't lost. He was saved. Now let me tell you what happens if you lose the wonder of it. Coldness. That's what happens. Coldness sets in. There comes often a carelessness in that life when the wonder of being saved is lost. Pastor Youngland, how long have you been saved? 54 years. Does it mean anything to you tonight to be saved? I thought you'd be more excited than that. <laughs> Why don't you get up and tell the people you're saved? Would you do that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's good. Now, who in this church got saved today? Raise your hand. Anybody here that's given your life to Jesus this very day? Oi. Stand up, my brother. What is... Okay, good. What is your name? David. David? What would you like to say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 54 years and a few hours. And how does it come out? Same. Hallelujah, I am saved. Now how about some of you in between there? Or beyond 54? I'm not trying to say Mason is old. <laughs> there are some here who have been saved longer than that. But you get the point. We are not lost because we have been saved. And when Paul says, I was a persecutor and a blasphemer and an insolent man, he was saying, God did something in me that no one else or nothing else could do. I am now saved and I hope I never get over it. Hallelujah. Then you have his outline, why he was so thankful. Because of the wretchedness of his past life. We just read that. 
a blasphemer, a profane person. He delighted in ridiculing the name of Christ. Now, how many of you here used to do that? You ridiculed the name of Christ. Look at there. Look at all the hands. People just like Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. He was a persecutor. You can look back in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26, and Galatians 1, and you will find that all over those pages. He was a persecutor. He found great delight in persecuting Christians, and by so doing, Jesus said he persecuted Christ himself. That's what he said in Acts 9, verse 5. Then it says he was injurious, a ringleader, among the enemies of Christ, damaged the cause of Christ. This was the man who was saved by the Lord. Verse 15, chief of sinners, in spite of his wickedness, in spite of his debauchery, the Lord saved him. Now, how many of you would raise a hand and say, Pastor, I can relate to that. I was injurious. I was a sinner of the chiefest nature, and he saved me. Raise your hand if you feel that way. Sure, look at there. All over this room. Don't lose that, folk. Don't lose that. That's the greatest miracle of all. People say, have you ever seen a miracle? Well, I've seen a lot of miracles. I've seen physical miracles. But let me tell you still that the greatest joy that comes to my heart is when I see the miracle of a changed life. That's the greatest of all. And that's what Paul is shouting about here in this passage. And we are no less sinful than Paul. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So we all come under the same portion of Scripture and same truth. We all need to be saved. And we all should say, I was the chief of sinners. Now the second part has to do with he was thankful because it was apart from his own trying. I obtained mercy. How many of you who have been saved, know that it was totally apart from your own trying. Raise your hand. It was mercy, mercy all the way, sure. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant, verse 14 says. It was not by works of righteousness, Ephesians 2, that we have done, but according to his what? Tell me. His mercy, he hath saved us. It was not by works not by human merit. How many of you ever thought you were good enough to be saved? Good enough for Jesus. Well, I wasn't. And I didn't want to trick anybody, but in reality, none of us were good enough. From a human standpoint, it all boils down to the fact that he sought us and he bought us. And it had nothing to do with our worthiness at all. We were all sinners in need of the Savior. We were all in need of his intercession for us. And so that's his point here. Thirdly, he had entrusted to him, to Paul, the preaching of the gospel. Verse 11, he calls it the glorious gospel which was committed to my trust. And in verse 12, he says, he put me into the ministry. Can I... 
just dwell for a moment on that putting into the ministry thing. This word in verse 12 is an important word. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Let me tell you what this word is from. It's the Old Testament Hebrew in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, The Spirit moved on the face of the waters. That's where that comes from. He put me, it's the essence of thrust. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. It was a thrust of Almighty God. Now, did those waters have any control over it? Not a bit. It was by God's thrust. And when Paul moves through his thankfulness for salvation and he starts talking about his calling, he said, I really didn't have any choice in the matter. He thrust me into the ministry. And he never lost the wonder of that. It was kind of like Toby's testimony tonight. They got up to sing, and uh, he got up to sing, rather, and the Lord just opened up a door, a calling, and he was thrust into the ministry. I understand that, because that's why I'm here tonight. That wasn't my choice. I was thrust into it. It's the same thing as in Judges 13, 25, where it speaks of Samson, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. It was the camp on the furthest part of the tribes of Israel. It was the windswept side. It was the worst place. It was the least tribe, the tribe of Dan. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan where you at least expect it. And he didn't have much control over it because the Holy Spirit, the Almighty God, just swept down and put his hand on a young man by the name of Samson and began to thrust him forth at times in the camp of Dan. Moved him. That's what I was praying for when Brother Shadler was talking about his need this summer, that God would just begin to thrust some of you and you just wouldn't even be able to control it. You'll find yourself in Salt Lake. Second Peter 1, 21, when... Peter talks about this book. He says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They couldn't even hold their hand back. They couldn't keep from writing. The Holy Spirit moved them to write. And we have the record that God wanted us to have in a book called the Bible. And now we come back to this First Timothy passage and Paul uses the same term now when he says, he put me into the ministry. It was the place he would never have expected, but God put him there. And I just want to submit quickly in passing congregation that in the next coming months God is going to be thrusting God is going to be putting his hand in the middle of some of your backs and I want you to know it's scriptural it's right, it's New Testament as well as Old Testament the Spirit of the Lord is beginning to move, he's beginning to thrust, he's beginning to motivate, he's beginning
beginning to put people where they belong. And I just ask you in the name of God for happiness and wholeness and for the kingdom's sake, be willing and obedient to be thrust wherever God's Holy Spirit wants to thrust you. Hallelujah. Be available. I got goosebumps on that. I wish I could look down into your hearts and see what's happening. God has a greater purpose yet than we have seen in the past. Fourthly, he was enabled. God's commands are God's enablings. Verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus who enabled me. Why is it that we get afraid? It's the natural thing to get afraid when God says, I want you to start singing solos or playing or preaching or teaching. We get fearful because we know ourselves. I'm a stammerer. I'm a stutterer. I can't speak. Talk to my brother. But Paul says, he enabled me. Who of us can do anything unless he enables us to do it? Whether it's singing or teaching or anything, he enabled me. All of us ought to sense that, whether we usher or deek or sing or preach or whatever, we are all enabled by God. Or it's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Moses was enabled. Joshua was enabled. Do you know how old Joshua was when Moses died? He was older than Mason Youngland. <laughs> he was older than Charlie Fight. He was the same age as Walter Hansen turned last week. Eighty. Joshua was eighty when he got out of kindergarten and started leading the children of Israel. How would you like that assignment? How could you do it at 80 without the enabling power of God? Couldn't do it. Gideon was enabled. What was he? <laughs> farmer. He was a farmer. And when the angel came to him, he said, Thou mighty man of valor! And Gideon looked around to see who he was talking to. Because he was hiding behind the barn. Afraid of the Midianites. But God enabled him. And God gave him a great victory. Now in the New Testament, here's the word. Go ye therefore. Who's ye? That's ye. Ye and me. Ussens, weans, as they say in Arkansas. Ewans. Go ye therefore, and I will be with you, and I will enable you, and I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. What does Acts 1.8 mean? Ye shall be witnesses. Who are ye? It's ye, you and me. Ewans, ussens, weans. 
whatever you're used to. That's what he's talking about, enablement. He commissions us and he empowers us, so you don't have to be afraid. Lastly, he was a pattern. To them who should hereafter believe. Isn't that great? Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern. Now, wait a minute, a pattern. I'm supposed to be like that? That's right, a pattern. His conversion was not exceptional. It was what should be expected. Now, folk, I want you to get with it. This was not the exception. This was the norm. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying that every Sunday we ought to see Saul's of Tarsus born again. I'm saying we ought to go out and start dragging them in here. They won't come freely, drag them. Put the pressure on them. The Holy Spirit will help us. He was a pattern. We ought to be looking for the, the bartender. We ought to be looking for the down and outer. We ought to be looking for the meanest and the honoriest. Not that the others aren't important, but this city needs to see some magnificent conversions. This city needs to see some transformed lives. We need to begin praying for anybody we can think of who you have maybe marked off as unapproachable and unsavable. Paul says, I was a pattern. And if he could touch me, he can touch anybody. And I think we ought to start believing a little bit for that around here. It was a pattern. Not exceptional. What God did for Paul, he can do for you and yours and those that you know and those that you think are too tough or too hard or beyond God's touch. Keep fresh the wonder of God's saving grace. You've got it right down at the bottom of the page. Say it with me now, right out loud. Keep fresh the wonder of God's saving grace. The biggest business going on around here is the saving business. All other things are lesser things. We must be in the saving business. We have not built a hospital for souls here to just keep nice and tidy and nice and clean. We wouldn't mind a little blood, sweat, and tears around here as we battle for the souls of men, realizing that this outcast from Tarsus who was killing people was a pattern for the church of all time, that it was the will of God to save the insolent and the rebellious and the persecutors of every generation if the church would dare believe for their souls. It's the will of God, and we ought to be on the lookout for them as we leave this building in a few minutes. Now, Paul got so excited here that he... When he closes this section, he just gets carried away with a fabulous benediction. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Why did he say that? Because he was saved. Stand up with me, with your Bible open. 
If you got it open to that 17th verse, I want you to say it kind of like Pastor did. You say, I'll blow every cylinder. Try it. 17th verse. Got it? Everybody together. We are what? Saved. So here's what we're going to say together. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think I did better than you did. One more chance. Don't close it up. You did, didn't you? Page 1330. One more time. Come on now. You're not lost. You're what? Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 Now, neighbor, if you've lost the wonder, if you've lost the glory of it, get down here quick. Come on, quick. If you've lost the thrill of it, the joy of it, get down here because coldness will set in. Worldliness will follow. You've got to feel the wonder. You've got to feel the wonder. Come on. If you don't have the wonder, come on. Don't hold back. Come on. Get out of where you are and get down here. There's glory down here. It's all around here. You can't lose the wonder. You don't dare lose the wonder of God's saving grace and power. You've got to feel that warmth, that divine joy. God bless these who are coming. Just come on down, bow at this altar. You can't lose the wonder of God's grace. And if you've never felt it, you come. I should have said that. If you've never felt it, come on. Jesus loves you. If you've never known the joy of sins forgiven, what happened to Saul can happen to you in a minute if you just let Jesus come in. All young people, do you know the wonder of his grace? Do you know the joy of his presence? Sir, are you walking in the power of the living Christ? Come on, if you need prayer, get down here. Let Jesus give you the same thing that Saul of Tarsus got when he opened his heart to Jesus. He said it's a pattern for all who believe. Why not you in the 20th century? Why not right here at Capitol Christian Center? Now some of you prayers, come on down. You feel God's Holy Spirit anointing you. You feel that thrust. Come on, pray with these. If, if it's just standing behind them, 
Just cover them with your prayers and your intercessions. Hallelujah. Jesus is in this room. Jesus is in this room. Now some of you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And one of the reasons that we lose the wonder is because we don't move on into the upper room. I would like those of you who would like this experience to go with Pastor Knight and Pastor Perez over to a room on the side and let them explain to you what follows conversion, what the upper room is about, and there receive the gift of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2.4 and be filled with that which will give you power and boldness and anointing. Just start going that way now as Pastor Coco moves. Just go there if you'd like to know what this experience is. The normal New Testament experience. Just follow them there to that room on the side. It won't take long, but the instruction and the prayer will be so valuable, so meaningful, so helpful. I want us to sing while people are moving and God's Spirit is talking to us. Just open up your heart. Let the power of God flow anew into your life. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Sing that and make it a prayer because that's exactly what it is. Would you do it? Just lift your heart to God. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. sing it again. I feel a brokenness beginning to sweep through here. If you want to kneel, you kneel. If you want to lay down, you lay down. If you want to stand, it's all right. Whatever you want to do. But let God's Holy Spirit bring that breaking. Friends, we need it today. We need that breaking of the Holy Spirit. Let him just do his perfect work as we stand in his presence. Sing it again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit.
Now, before we move from this atmosphere, let me remind you that it will not be easier tomorrow than it is right now to move toward Jesus. It will not be easier on Monday or any time during the week than it is right now to open your heart and let Jesus bless you, touch you, challenge you, give you the thrust that we've spoken of tonight. Will you be open to him? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to everyone. The Spirit-filled, wanting to be an instrument in God's hands. Friends, he wants to use us in the gift of faith and miracles and healings and in the word of wisdom and knowledge and discernment and through the utterance gifts. He wants to use us. Let's be open to him. Let's not be quick to move from his holy presence. Oh, Jesus, right now we bow, asking you for a fresh baptism of your fire and power. Lord, burn up the dross that is in us. Burn up the dross, Lord. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Stir the gift within us again. As Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. God, we lay ourselves before you. We humbly offer ourselves to you. Fill us with yourself. Touch us anew with the flame of heaven. Fill us. Mold us. Melt us. Oh God, we need it. We want it in this moment as we wait in your presence. Hallelujah. Touch people who need healings. Touch people who are cold and indifferent, Lord. Fire their souls now at the altars of the church. We don't know what we're going to have to face this week, Lord, but we know we have the power to face it as we receive from your bountiful and wonderful hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit anew, Lord. Break forth upon us. Break forth upon us, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to the water tonight. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall 
To be, we surrender to you, O Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lili arrimar le mondo, iana le vasili, iana le mondo. Hallelujah. Now, friends, if you have children or something that would call you from this holy place, feel free to slip out. But if you don't have to, you may sit or stand or just be comfortable. We're just going to sing and wait on God a little bit. If you need to go, don't be embarrassed to slip out. We understand and pray God's blessing upon you. Remember that Toby and Barb Waldowski have their music out there if you haven't picked it up yet today. Let's just let God be God and drink in a little bit of his blessing. Drink in a little bit of his favor. Drink in a little bit of his goodness and his wholeness.